Seminary Insider. Today, we are joined by returning guest, Ryan Clausen, the Executive Director at Act Seminaries. Today, our topic is actually COVID-19, and in our conversation, we discuss some of the challenges churches and believers have faced, as well as what the future might look like as we carefully come out of the pandemic. Of specific importance, and something I personally found really interesting, Ryan encourages us to consider how we can rebuild unity among believers after so much time physically apart. Of course, we've had many video calls and ways of connecting, but things have distinctly changed in our lives. As always, Ryan also reminds us of the crucial call to remain faithful and that that will always be on our lives regardless of the situation. So without more introduction, I hope you enjoy. dive right in today. I have, you know, kind of wanted to pick your brain about this for a while. Uh, but, but right now, you know, you kind of been, of course, working remotely. We've all been remote at Acts, and of course, all the churches and other ministries in the area and the world <laughs> have been as well. Um, but as someone, you know, kind of in, I would say, or with your finger on the pulse of things, maybe a little bit more than me, what are some of the challenges you've heard from various pastors um, throughout this time of COVID? Well, initially, some of the questions that I was hearing about pastors were technical. Like, we can't meet on Sunday the way we always meet. So how do we move this online? How do we, we don't have a Zoom account. We don't have, our, our people are not all technically savvy they may not even know how to connect to uh some kind of an online uh gathering right, um, right. how do we make this happen technically and then there were also philosophical questions should we be doing this online should we try to gather anyway and just accept the risks or should we try to gather safely uh change the way we do things but still meet in person and, uh, and is that an obligation we have based on what we read in scripture about not getting out of the habit of gathering together? Mm. Uh, so there were both sort of that philosophical, theological questions, and then the, the technical questions. I, I think as time has gone on, most of the technical questions have been resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, either you figured it out or you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think either people at church figured it out with their own church or maybe managed to connect with some of those churches that were technically savvy, that were able to put out Sunday services online on a regular basis. As, as time has gone on, I think the challenges have, have transitioned from this, how do we do Sunday to how do we be the church and it's a it's a shift actually I think it's it's a positive shift in a way because it it recognizes that being in the church is not what we do on a Sunday uh, Mm. but there's there's something more to it we can engage all we want online but realizing that we've we've missed something and so it's this it's almost this isolation uh, that has become more of an issue, uh, both in terms of the people in the church and and pastors, uh, maybe even more so because a lot of pastors are 
naturally extroverted. Yeah. Uh, they gain energy and, uh, and meaning in their life by interacting with people. Um, and even for those who aren't extroverted, still they have this calling to shepherd people, to mm-hmm. minister, to disciple people, to walk alongside them. And that has been a significant challenge. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to get back in a minute to what you're kind of saying and what it will mean to kind of come out of this chapter. Uh, but first, I guess, yeah. So we, in overall, church has succeeded in meeting over Zoom and and forming some different you know sorts of communities, whether that's even yeah Zoom sort of small groups or home groups or Bible studies and. Um, doing their best, you know, to, to maintain some sort of community. But what do you think this has taught us, uh, you know, about really, yeah, what the church is, is to be in the world and, and even maybe about our own faith? In one sense, and this may seem counterintuitive, but I think that one of the things that COVID has taught us about our faith and our church community is that church is more than Sunday morning. And we may say it's, it's, you know, the lack of Sunday morning, how does that teach us that church is more than Sunday morning, but it's, you can kind of replicate Sunday morning services online, as you mentioned, that most mm-hmm. of the churches has figured out those, those technical things, but it's all of the other things about being the body of Christ that we haven't been able to replicate. So Sunday morning, we can kind of figure out. But what that's shown us is there is so much more to the church than Sunday morning. Mm. The, the, the church is the body of Christ being together. And that the things that we think are, are sort of just ancillary or the, the before and out, like mingling before church or after church or church potlucks or getting together in small groups in the, in the middle of the week or um, just those those just the, 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 the weekly or occasional gatherings, getting together that we, that we have. Those things, I think, have shown us that the, the lack of those things has shown us their importance and the, mm-hmm. the necessity of, of this community, the fact that this is a body, um, the, uh, the importance of actual face-to-face contact and interaction I mean, humans are by nature social creatures. We, we can't live on our own. We can't live in isolation. Um, it's, it's kind of like sleep. I, I was just reading a scientific study that said or showed that you can actually live longer without food than you can live without sleep. You would die from lack of sleep before you would die from lack of food. But who really thinks about dying from lack of sleep who would, who would think about sleep as being an essential element of life you think of food you think of water you think of shelter but you don't think of sleep as being that essential to life and I, I think it's the same way about community we as humans cannot live in complete isolation we're not meant to that's not God's intention and in the same way as Christians we cannot live apart from fellow believers. We are the body of Christ. Um, and you can't be a Christian outside of the body of Christ, or it's, it's a extremely, extremely difficult. And, I, and I'm not saying that you're saved by being part of the community, but it's pretty clear that in the New Testament, that salvation involves becoming part of the people of God, becoming part of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And 
As Paul says, a body has many members. A body is not made up of one member. So if being a follower of Jesus means being part of the body of Christ, by definition, we are participating together with other followers of Jesus mm -hmm. in this body. Uh, and if, if I can think of an example that, that maybe helps describe what I think people are feeling, what I'm feeling anyway. Think of when you, when you sit in an awkward position and you cut off blood supply to your arm or your leg and you kind of don't realize it. And then you shift and you get all these, these pins and needles or you just can't even move your arm. The ar your, your arm is, you, you, have to, you have to wait for the, the blood flow to get back. You have to wait for that connection with the rest of the body to be restored before that leg or that arm can actually function again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're experiencing. This isolation because of COVID has kind of cut us off from the rest of the body. And, and what we're experiencing is, is this inability or difficulty functioning because of that disruption. Mm. And I imagine when we get back together, when COVID is over, we're going to be in that pins and needles stage. Like, yes, the connection has been restored, but it doesn't feel the way it used to feel, or there's a lot of awkwardness or not sure what to do at pins and needles. That's what it's going to be like. I think when we, when we are actually able to get back together. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What, what are, what is that, you know, what are you already seeing as some of those actual effects kind of as we're starting to shift and how do you think that might look? In some ways, I, I think maybe I have more of a sense of curiosity than, than a, a sense of prediction. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm curious about what will happen more than, or maybe I have hopes about what will happen more than what I, what I would think will happen or what I will predict will happen. Um, I mean, I'm hopeful that the church doesn't just go back to the way things were. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a mistake. Yeah. It'll be a temptation because this year has been so hard. Mm. The temptation will be to say, I want to forget this year ever happened. I want to wipe 2020 off the map mm -hmm. and just, we're going to do everything we can to get back to exactly the way it was before. And, and I think that would be a mistake. Mm. Uh, God, I say God doesn't cause evil to happen, but I do believe that God always is able to bring about a greater good um, out of that, out of that evil circumstance. Mm, yeah. And I think we've, we've seen that time and time again, in particular in the scriptures. And so I think this is no different. I think COVID is something that we have experienced and we've gone through. It's not something we wanted, but to, to fail to allow this time to refine our characters, that would be a mistake. Mm. Uh, and so what I hope is that we're able to, yeah, to, 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 to become something better, to become more faithful to what God wants us to be as Christians and as the church. Mm. And I'm hopeful that we will be able to do this. I've seen a number of churches um, try different things within this pandemic to continue to be able to be faithful as, as followers of Jesus, to be faithful witnesses in their community, to, to be the church uh, in, in new and different ways. 
I've seen churches put more thought in, in particular into how they connect with their children. Hmm. Because again, you, the way we've always done things, you've got Sunday school or you've got children's church and, and then, you know, you, you put them over there and you get that and then you have your adults in the, in the Sunday morning service and moving online, that doesn't work the same way for kids. I mean, you can expect an adult to sit there for 20 minutes listening to a sermon online. I don't think we can expect a kid to, uh, um, to, to sit 20, 30 minutes and, and just listen to someone talking on a laptop. So I, I, churches have done, I've, I've seen some churches do some really creative things with how they can um, continue to provide a space for children to be an essential part of the church community, even though we can't do what we've always done. And I hope that that, that continues, that how we, we understand and integrate children and, and youth into our church communities continues. And, and there's other things I'm, I'm curious about. Will, I mean, will we move away from mega churches? Uh, will smaller uh, churches become more prevalent? Uh, or will people rush back and feel the, the, the crowd as uh, mm. something that they all, they'll want? Um, as, uh, as the ability to gather is, is reinstated, but we want to gather in bigger crowds. Huh. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about, uh, about how that, uh, how that plays out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I like that attitude, curiosity, as opposed to just prediction. Uh, I did uh, ask you, I know in advance, um, Obviously, there's quite a long history of, you know, different challenges that the church has faced. But yeah, what what are some challenges that the church has undergone historically and how might we learn from those moments at this time? So I'm, I'm not a historian, so I, I'm hesitant to speak definitively on, on, on matters of history. But I, I do have some passing familiarity with, with the reactions of the church in the past to um, to incidents of persecution or social upheaval or disease or famine and those sorts of things. And, and there's a couple of, of standard responses. Uh, one of them, my own tradition, the Mennonite tradition, our, our default has kind of been to withdraw, um, to scatter, to withdraw, to go into smaller groups, to become uh, less uh, visible. Um, and part of that is for your own protection. If it is a, a you know, time of persecution, then the, the, the instinct is to um, is to try and, and be as, as quiet as you can. Don't draw attention to yourself. Um, and that has kind of become our default, uh, our default option, which maybe isn't quite as useful in a situation like this, mm. um, where it's not actual persecution, but it is more of that disease, famine, social upheaval kind of an approach. And so I think perhaps a better response might be those times when the church has, has engaged more deeply mm. with the world when faced with, especially when uh, we're not in the place where we've seen our social institutions and political institutions break down. Mm -hmm. But in those cases, when the church has experienced that, often the church has stepped up mm. and taken responsibility for the world in a way that I think would actually be a more positive response in this case. So rather than withdrawing and, and trying to say, we're the faithful remnant, we're going to withdraw from the world, we're going to leave the world to its own devices, and we're only going to seek to care for our own. We're going to seek to be sort of as, as separate from the, the world and all of this other stuff as, as possible. 
I think in this case, a more appropriate response would be to say, God loves the world. Hmm. Um, I mean, that's right there, John 3, 16. <laughs> God loves the world. God sent Jesus to seek and save the lost. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to that same mission and purpose. And in a case like this, it's not us against the world. It's us as followers of, of Jesus carrying out Jesus' mission to the world to seek and to save. And so the question then is, um, how do we participate in God's mission to, to save the world, to, uh, to reach uh, the world, to help the world become what God intends it to be? And that may look different. It will look different at different times. But I guess that question Maybe it's a little bit late as, as vaccinations start to ramp up. But what does that mean in this time? What does it mean mm. for the church to serve the world in a time like this? Well, I think, I mean, I, I think that remains a relevant question. I know Acts has introduced its new church planting degree. What is kind of the focus of that program? And maybe specifically, how is it yeah, relevant to this post-COVID time? Yeah, well, it's actually a church planting and revitalization hmm. is the name of the major. And I think that's important to, to emphasize. So you're, you're right to say it's, 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 it's both uh, helping people prepare uh, for that call to plant new churches, uh, but it's also here to help uh, people with the call to revitalize hmm. uh, our existing churches. And it's no secret that many churches are, are struggling. And, and I think COVID has probably highlighted that. Churches that have been struggling before the pandemic probably are, are struggling even more um, mm. with the pandemic. And so what we want to do is help those people who are called to lead the church to learn more about what it means to effectively lead the church in, in the world in which we live. And the world of today is different than it was 20 years ago, 40 years ago, even 15 years ago. Uh, Canada is a, a different place. Mm. Uh, and the way of doing church 15, 20, 30 years ago may not be the, the, the most effective, I don't want to use the word effective, but it might not be what we want to be is faithful. We want to be faithful to what God is calling us to do and to be. Mm -hmm. And, and that means being able to bring the gospel to the world in a way that it isn't, it, it, it makes sense that it, it shows the compelling nature of this, uh, of this offer that God makes of, of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so how can we be faithful followers of Jesus? How can we be faithful as the body of Christ, as the church, in uh, being witnesses to, to this gospel in the world? And so, you know, church planting, church revitalization, the focus is, is going to be on how are we able to most effectively uh, communicate uh, the good news of Jesus to the world as it exists today. Um, acknowledging that it, it, it might not be the world that we want it to be hmm. never in the world we grew up in. It's not the world we want it to be, but, but that doesn't change the call. Um, it doesn't change the, the, 
the call that God has given us. Uh, and so that's the, that's the, the it's, a, it's an applied program. So it'll involve, um, you know, working with, with uh, senior ministry leaders mm. uh, to help actually put into practice what you're learning in the classroom. Um, it's, a, it's a degree you can do remotely. Um, and part of that is because we don't want, if, if, especially if you're already involved in a church, you're already involved, whether you're a leader or a pastor or, or just a lay person with a ministry, um, why would we ask you to give all of that up, that, that what you're already doing, what God has already uh, led you to, give that up, stop doing it, come uh, and study for two or three years and then try to go back. Right, isn't, right. Isn't it better to... to uh, to remain where you are, to remain where God has called you, to remain in that in that ministry that God has given, and be able to learn as you go, and then apply those things you're learning in the classroom, in that in that actual ministry context. So mm-hmm. that's sort of the goal of the program. We don't want people to sort of stop everything, sell everything, come and, and spend two or three years studying, and then go back. This is something we want to be done in context in ministry. Um, because we think that for people who are called to this particular purpose, to plant new churches and to revitalize struggling churches, this is going to be the most effective way to accomplish that mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, Well, good information about that as well. Of course, I know if someone's interested, they can go to the website and read even more. Um, But yeah, one, uh, I guess, kind of final question I'll ask for now. What do you think, Christ followers should be paying attention to as we're kind of reopening or, or getting back to a rhythm of, yeah, being able to see each other for a lot of people going back to church. Um, how, yeah, how should we pay attention or how should we prepare? That's a good question. What, what should we pay attention to or how should we prepare to, to reopen? Um, one of the things we'll have to pay attention to as the world reopens is that face-to-face interaction and the the dialogue and discussion and conversation, because that's different than dialogue and conversation, even over Zoom, never mind uh, over Facebook or Twitter. Uh, And I think, again, many of us perhaps have become accustomed, I guess, not to coming on Sunday morning. We've also become accustomed to the kind of conversation you have online, Mm -hmm. which is, which is more one way. uh, It's more black and white. It's more about um, absolutes and, and issues, and it's less personal. Hmm. And so that kind of personal conversation is going to be, um, I think, is going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, I've noticed in, in, uh, in my own circles, there's been, as people have been isolated, they've become some have become more attuned to conspiracy theories. Hmm. Um, and again, it sort of surprised me because I knew these people. I know these people. I've, I've met with them. They seem like um, perfectly normal, rational, reasonable human beings. And then now as I've been encountering again, um, realizing that over this year, there's been, um, there's been a, a, an, a, an adoption of, of many of these vaccine conspiracy theories, QAnon conspiracy theories, um, and so, I, you know, it, maybe that's one, that's one, um, challenge we're going to face is when we come back together, um, how are we, how are we able to communicate? How are we able to mm. interact with each other? 
having such a divergent experience? Um, mm. Or maybe I ask myself the question, how am I able to interact with people who I feel have been sucked into this conspiracy theory nonsense mm. without alienating them, without cutting them out of my life? How, yeah. how are we able to exist as a community when we, we have such divergent, uh, divergent opinions on, on what seem to be some fairly essential uh, issues. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, so that being said, um, one more question really is how do you think the church can embrace this time of change? I mean, I think a lot of what I've said previously talking about being more faithful, like to think about what is God doing in the world? The, the world has changed, but God's mission to the world is the same. Mm. So what does that mean for the church? The world is different but we still have this same, same call uh, to participate in what God is doing in the world. How can we be more faithful um, to do that? I hope that we're able to embrace this understanding that the way we've done church in the past is not something that was handed down on tablets mm. from Mount Sinai. Um, and I know in the, in the past I've, I've seen um, or heard, heard jokes of, about that, the, the, the bulletin, the, the order of service on the bulletin being, being just that. This is a, a revelation from God. These are, you know, the tablets from Mount Sinai. This is the, the, the way the church ever was, ever is, and ever should be. Um, and, you know, heaven help the, the, the new pastor who tries to change the order of service on the bulletin <laughs> in that way yeah. for for years and years, but, but I hope we're able to realize that the way we have done church in the past is not the way that the church always has been or always needs to be, that there are different and sometimes better ways of doing and being the church. And to take this time to think about what those ways might be. Say maybe that's maybe that's a bit much to expect. We we all like comfort. We all like uh, the familiarity uh, of the way things have been done, and and doing things differently is is always a challenge. Um, but I hope we have the courage to at least ask the question. Uh, and maybe the answer is yes. We have been doing things uh, this way, and it is the most effective. But but maybe. Um, there's an opportunity to, to, to take a step back, to stop and to think and, uh, and to try some different things um, yeah. and, and see if those are, are more in line with what God is trying to accomplish in us and through us uh, as the body of Christ, as followers of Jesus. And, and if we can be more open to that, at least that would be something good, I think, coming out of COVID. Mm. Um, anything, anytime when we can uh, be more faithful to, uh, to what God is calling us to be, if, if that's the outcome, that's a positive outcome, regardless of, of what has led to it. Yeah, yeah, wow. Well, I, I think that's really encouraging for, yeah, all of us as we're kind of adjusting, waking up, shaking our limbs uh, at this time. Um, but yeah, and 
you're kind of reminding me here, you know, if people haven't heard our very first episode about denominations and why there are so many, that's a good resource for, yeah, kind of considering the differences of practice among different churches. And of course, if you ever have more questions, I know, Ryan, you're always uh, welcoming people to reach out. So yeah, don't hesitate to reach out on our website at actsseminaries.com. And we would love to engage with you in these questions. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure.